sit next week. All right, just spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week, reading or listening to God's word. If you did, please say yes. Just yes. spend some time alone with God with no agenda of your own just to be with him. Okay, so this third question that I ask, and we've been doing this for a long time now, do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? So if you do number one and number two, number three will happen. No question about it. Because you're in God's word, that's how he speaks clearly to us. If you're spending time alone with him and you're not like always talking and you're actually listening, he has a chance to speak. And so... Those three just tie themselves together to help us to know because it's important that you and I know what God wants from us. And it doesn't just happen at church, just when a song's being sung or preachers preaching or something. God wants to speak to you personally in your own time, in your own places. Just give him access and he will. Trust me, church. He is good to his word. He loves you. All right. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time and your talents and your resources? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? So you have a circle of influence. God has placed you in a specific mission field. Your mission field is your home, your work, and your community. Those are the people that God has placed in front of you, and you are his number one choice to reach them with the gospel. Therefore, everyone you know should know your Jesus story. If they don't know your Jesus story, then you need to share it. I'm not telling you to preach at them. I'm telling you to tell them what God has done for you in your life. Man, it's like, anyway, uh, did you invite someone to church with you today? Okay. See, we're, we're sharing Jesus. We're acting in obedience. We're listening to God. And then we want everybody to know that we need to be part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is when the assembly of the church comes together, and that way God can use us all together because you have gifts and talents and abilities that other people don't and they need, and therefore when we come together, we make the body of Christ, and he is the head. He's everything. So we got to do it, church, as we go together, right? Okay, so um, we're going to, we have a, one baptism in the service. I had a couple people that I did not get to communicate with. I apologize. Somehow there was a miscommunication through the email that was sent, and so I will reach out to you this week, but if you are here and you had signed up and I hadn't talked to you, um, when it's time, just come on up here and we'll work that out, okay? Um, so last week we had a bunch of piled rocks up here, right? And so as we put those rocks up there, some of the people came and said, like, why are there rocks up there? I was like, we'll probably find out. There's probably a reason, right? Because everybody wanted to know at first. Just like this morning, someone came in and said, oh, are we doing baptism? <laughs> no disrespect. It was more than one person. So if you're the person that's sitting over here that asked me that, I want you to know there were others. So I'm not making fun of you when I say this. Okay? Are you listening? So what I said was, you would have already known if you were looking at your bulletin that we send out to you. You would already know if you had the app downloaded on your phone because we put out pushes and saying, hey, man, if you want to be baptized, get hold of Pastor Dave. We're doing it this Sunday. So I want everybody to hear me online and in person. We're doing our best to try and communicate with you, but you got to listen. Read your email, the one from the church at least. Look at your bulletin. Sign up, get the app. Man, I mean, like, there's so much garbage out there in the world. Why not receive some good stuff? All right, enough of that. This isn't harping or nagging. It's just saying, hello, are you listening? That's all it is, okay? All right, so you know you got to love me to go to heaven? You guys do know that, right? The Bible says so. 
How about another amen in that one? All right. God says, you have to love me. They're not sitting there assessing me. You're not like, I don't like that guy. I don't care if you like me or not, but you have to love me. God said so. And if you're a Christian, we're going to love each other, even if we're different. It's okay. All right. So I'm going to say a few things that you might not like me about today. So what? It's okay. It's God's word. God's word's offensive. Sometimes cuts us right in the heart. Like, ooh, man, that hurts, and you suck for saying that. But it's truth, whether you like it or not, right? So let's see what God has to say to us. Because the reason when we had a bunch of rocks piled up and only have one today, there's a reason we only have one. It's a reminder of something. It's so easy for us to just, like, have something happen, like have rocks. So the reason I was bringing up the whole, if you know what's going on thing, is that I put a a uh, little message on, we have different WhatsApp groups like that I try and communicate with, so Full Throttle, our motorcycle ministry. I said, hey, y'all, would you bring a rock in and put it on the platform next Sunday? That's all I said. They didn't have a reason or anything, just do it. I, I don't mean that bad. I mean, like, and they did. And then I text that same thing to my Warriors Zoom group that we meet on Wednesday, men. There's small groups, in case you were wondering. It's Guess where you find that information. Uh, but anyway, uh, I did send it to them as well. And so they came in and put rocks on the platform. And I didn't send it to everybody. Just send it to a couple groups. And part of it was I sat over there watching to see who really read it or remembered or thought about it or did it. And who didn't? No big deal. Just kind of like watching and seeing what's happening. And we ended up with a bunch up here. I was like, well, thank you, Lord. That's awesome that they're paying attention and listening because God wanted to say something to us. It's like, man, he wants to build something out of the rubble of the past. And that was just like such a God thing and so many things that God spoke into our lives. And it's beautiful. The problem was, is that the rubble was there. Remember 150 years? If you know the book of Nehemiah and you look at your history, the wall was like that for 150 years, and so God had to stir the heart of a guy who had a heart for that place but was in a foreign land because all the people that lived in the brokenness just accepted the brokenness as normal. So he brings this guy over, and he's like, hey, guys, um, we can do something about this. And they're like, oh, what? And he says, why don't we pick up the rocks, stack them up, and make a wall? Hey, good idea. Let's make it happen, right? So after 150 years of rubble, they start building a wall amazing what God can do when we start listening and do something, isn't it? So the thing that was happening was everybody had their own little house they were living in. Everybody had their own little life, but he was saying, hey, if we all engage in this, we can all become something together that we can't do alone. Then he broke them into small groups and said, you guys build that section you guys build this section. You guys build this section. So he didn't say, hey, let's build a wall, and everybody's intimidated because it's like, whoa, man, that wall's huge. No, he just said, just build this little section right here. Build it up. Okay, we can do that. So when everybody started doing their part, a wall happened. So that's why we have small groups in the church. You do know that, right? The reason that small groups exist is because together we can do something and build something that matters to God, and then it's part of a bigger thing. And when we step back into the church service and we look around, it's like, ooh, God is doing something right here, right now. It's not just a song. We just sang that in case you weren't paying attention. All right, so, like, I mean, he's doing something. So when you look around you, it's like God's doing something in their life. He's doing something in their life. He's doing something in their life. And it's like, whoa, God, it is bigger than me. But I'm so glad to be a part of what God's doing. It's beyond me. It's beyond my ability. But then it's God, of course. All right. 
Let's do something, man. Let's move along here. So as the small groups work, see, what we do is we share in that communion together of the labor. So like, you hurt where I hurt. You're tired where I'm tired. You know what I mean? Like, we live life together in those little groups. And so we encourage one another, and we strengthen one another, or we make fun of one another, we laugh together. I mean, make fun in a good way, right? So you know what I mean? So that's what, how we build that relationship, and we start to build this up in the body of Christ, and good things happen. You know, as we've been traveling through this last week, doing Nehemiah, the devotionals on Nehemiah, which we also send out through the app. It's on our YouTube channel, where all of our services are. And I know you all see those every day, so you already know we've been in Nehemiah. I don't even have to ask you, right? We're all there. Um, yes. Anyway, those are on YouTube, Christian Faith Fellowship Tucson. Look it up. They're there every single day. But we'll go along here and say this. So after we've been doing this, you know I love Nehemiah. I tell you that all the time. I love Nehemiah. He's amazing. What a man of God. Not a priest, not a prophet, not a political leader, just a guy who said, God, we got a problem. Let me fix it. Use me to do it. Isn't that awesome? What a heart, man. I want a ton of Nehemiahs around me. Like, let's do something about it, right? Okay, so Nehemiah comes. They start the work. We're moving in uh, chapter 4. Part of it that we didn't really touch in the devotionals or last Sunday, but I want to, God's just stirring us. We're not staying with Nehemiah. Just a part of what we're doing today. Listen it up. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed. This is Nehemiah's response. Are you listening, church? Hear it. Then I prayed. Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads and may themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. That's a pretty amazing prayer, isn't it? Church, you know what? We want to react ourselves, and I'm sure Nehemiah had something inside of him about wanting to stop those guys from what they were doing. But instead of going and engaging himself, he said, God... We need you to do something about what's happening right now. And he prayed a prayer that was like, God, take them out. Right? That's what he did. He's like, God, these guys are a hindrance to your work. Take them out. I hope you pray that prayer at times, and I mean that. Don't you go take them out. Say, God, take them out. Now, we're going to talk about our part and our action, but if you notice, the first thing Nehemiah did was pray, which is always our beginning steps. Now, let's talk about this right here. You notice that they um, made fun of God in there, right? Not just the people. He said they just think they're going to offer a few sacrifices and something amazing is going to happen. So they were serving God in their process of what they were doing, and the enemy always makes fun of it. Whenever you begin to walk with the Lord, you should expect the enemy 
to begin to try and instill doubt in you, to make fun of you, uh, to try and get you to question what you're doing, to doubt your walk with God, to doubt why you're doing what you're doing, to question the vision, to think it can't ever happen, that you're not enough, you can't get it, you can't do it. I mean, all that stuff comes from the enemy, but remember, all he has is a big mouth. That's all he was doing is running his mouth. And so what we see right here in the scripture is this. God's doing something. It's obvious God is doing something. The enemy doesn't like when God does stuff. So he tries to come against it. And what he does is he tries to say stuff to God's people that makes them question what they're doing and why they're doing it and if they can do it. Now listen, if you remember... When this work started, and we were talking about it last Sunday, Nehemiah said, when I shared it with them, I told them about the good hand of my God that was with me and how he gave me favor with the king and how this all started, right? So he casts the vision. The people are all in, and they're like, let's do it, man. Why have we been sitting around here with all this rubble? Let's build a wall. All the evidence, all the, the tools, I should say, all the stuff, the materials were there. They just had to do something. So now they're starting. Right? Here we go. Hey, brother, you can get your coffee. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey, one of you guys, I don't know who your security is, but you can help them guys over there a little bit. All right, we're good. No big deal. Just don't want to miss out on what God's saying to us. We get, like, distracted and we miss thoughts and things that God's trying to say, Right? All right, so let's stay, stay focused on what God's doing because the enemy wants to instill doubt, question, stir up, and get us away from what God's all about. So as we look at this, see, God can inspire the vision in the very beginning, but we can question the vision after a little while. We could have been all in, and now we're wondering if we were really all in or if that was really what we got all in for. So because we're Christians... Even if we're doing God's work, it doesn't mean that we don't have emotions or feelings or anything else because you see your salvation doesn't change you and make you not human. It makes you fully human. You know, we experience life to the full. But just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't need to sleep. Doesn't mean you don't have to do all the things that normal human beings have to do. So you got to be a normal human being, but you have to be jesus Holy Spirit-filled normal human being. And so when we're tired and we're going through stuff and that, our emotions can get messed with. Our feelings can get messed with. And when those things don't feel right inside, sometimes we can begin to wonder if everything is all right. That's what's happening right here as we look at this. And see, when we start to be in that and we begin to look at our emotions, our feelings, and the the tiredness, and we begin to engage in the flesh, we kind of take our eyes off Jesus, and we begin to look at ourself, and we begin to see this thing, um, we're vulnerable to the discouragement of the enemy. So we, we want to read this part, because this ties into where we're going with this, and what God wants to say to us. This is verse number six. So after these guys are running their mouth, and, and Nehemiah prays, and he says, hey, God, help us. You know what's going on? Here's what it says in the very next verse. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. 
Isn't that cool? So like every direction they looked, there was half a wall. Just a half, but there was a half. Where there was once rubble, now there was wall. Now they're looking around and they're seeing this and they're all excited. Remember the small group thing? We're like, woo, yeah, man. Hey, something's actually happening. Something is going on. I can see something different. And there's that, that emotion and that enthusiasm. And so we're kind of living on that. But you know, we don't live on emotions and feelings and enthusiasm. You do know that, right? You see, when we're first saved, that spirit of God fills us and we're so full of joy and the difference of the old self to the new self and we live on that and God touches our heart and we're, he's so faithful to us and it's just like, oh God, you're so amazing. And then after a while, you don't feel that. See, when I was a kid, I had an encounter with God. I was young and I mean, God really touched me, but nobody told me that that feeling isn't God, it's God saying you're mine. And so when I woke up one day and the feeling wasn't there, I was like, wow, I screwed something up. What did I do? God's not there. He was there. See, this is when faith engages. But nobody discipled me or told me anything, and so I thought I must have done something wrong. And so when I was like, wow, I don't even know what I did wrong, but I obviously did something wrong, so I might as well do something wrong. And I'm being serious, and I just went down the wrong path big time. And I began to do all the wrong things. Because I thought, like I heard, you're not different anyway. Nothing happened to you. That's not for you. You're different. You don't, you don't measure up. You've always been an outsider. Nobody cares. I started to hear that message and believe it. And so pretty soon I owned that message and I began to live with that message rather than the one that God said to me, like, you're my child. So I want everybody to know this, man. It's not about your feelings. Please don't think that if you don't feel something, you're not right with God. You may feel conviction because you did something stupid. That's God too, all right? But what I'm talking about is when you're like going through your spiritual disciplines, you're walking with God, you're coming to church, you're listening to the preacher, you're singing the songs, but I don't feel anything inside. Look, it's not about that. God's still the same God. It's still his word. God is moving and he's doing something. So what we do in that moment is we engage God anyway. We push our feelings aside and I praise you. Something in me has to. We might have sang that too, I'm not sure. But I'm just saying, church, we do this because we engage who God is. God is still God no matter how I feel. When I have the flu, I'm just as saved as when I feel great. But when I'm sick with the flu, I don't feel very saved. I feel like death. But I'm saved. You follow it? Man, let's just stay in it. Let's see what God wants to do with us and remain faithful because faith is engaged in the moment where the enemy is saying, no, I'm saying, oh yeah, God said so, so screw you. And I mean that wholly and respectfully. I'm saying that to the enemy, right? It's what God says. It's not what you say. I don't care what you say. I heard your voice all the time back there and I used to believe you and you took me into the pits of despair. I am not listening to you no more. Oh. So here we go. Let's see what's going on. So this enthusiastic work's happening. Half the wall's up. Things are going on. People are encouraging each other. Everybody's laughing and building and having a great time, right? 
That's what we read right there. So everybody's like excited and getting involved. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. You see what I mean? Like the enemy's not going to just go away because you make a stand. Just because you prayed doesn't mean he's running and cowering. It means he's going to regather the troops and come back. Right? Come on. I mean, seriously. They're like, oh, man, something is definitely happening. We got to see what's going on and do something about it. And so that's what they did. But listen to Nehemiah again. I flipped that next verse up there. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Isn't that awesome? See, his first response is always prayer. One of the reasons why I love Nehemiah is every single thing in his life starts with prayer. But church, you see, um, when we look at this and we see it, Nehemiah's response to that is to pray, but it's also critical that we understand our action doesn't stop at prayer. Prayer is just the first step. And I think a lot of Christians, and in the Christian community, we see prayer as our only action. And so we're like standing around praying in the face of opposition and discouragement, and we're saying, God, do something. God, do something. But did you hear what the scripture said? Did you hear what Nehemiah said? We prayed to our God, and then we guarded the city. And he's like, hey, God, we got to do something. Now, everybody here, strap on your sword and get your butt out there. Right? He's like, hey, we got, we got to do something. God's going to be with us. He's going to help us. But don't go back home to bed and just think, hey, God, fix that problem over there. I'm going to believe you to do it. And then we get discouraged in our prayer life because nothing's happening. And God's over there saying, hey, hey, hey. And we're like, God, fix it. And he's like, move over there. God, you fix that. Good night. He's like, get on your sword and get over there. See, we think prayer is our action. Prayer is the first action. But get on out there, church. Everything around us is a mess. And the reason why it's a mess is because the church has been just going in its own door, shutting the door, and kind of hanging out in there and thinking like, hey, God, can you change this? We peek out the door, and it's like, ooh, it's bad out there. It's a mess. God, it's over, man. We're just going to stay in here until you come and rapture us out of this place. And God's like, hey, man, would somebody in there step outside (laughs) would somebody go out there and pick up a stone see what i mean like church it's that action god's saying like come on and we're saying to god come on you're god and he's like yes i am and i've chosen you me lord i can't do it i'm i'm incapable yep that's why i picked you it says so right in the bible yeah, but Lord, I'm, I struggle with these things, and my personality is like, uh, I, I died so I could change that in you. Amen. Oh, yeah, but Lord, you know, could you do it, or could you send someone else? So here's the deal, man. You know, we keep expecting God to help, but at the same time, he's saying, I want to use you to make it happen. So all of us are praying for our unsaved friends, our family. I hope you are. You should be. 
we prayed for a little while there. That whole, that tablecloth, you know, you might walk in here, today's your first day, and you're like, what in the world is that mess over there? Well, I want you to know that tablecloth that's hanging over that, that cross are lost people's names that we wrote, that God, the Holy Spirit, laid on our hearts so that we could pray for them. Okay, so the Holy Spirit said this name. And some of us have forgotten to pray for them because they didn't show up that day. And God's like, I gave you that name. <laughs> See, here's the thing. We prayed for them. God, we prayed for them. We believed. And God's like, that's awesome. Thank you. Have you told them about me? So here's the question, church, and I'm, I'm not asking this as an accountability speak out loud question. I'm saying, you know, we wrote that name, we believe God gave us that name, but how many of those people have we actually shared Jesus with? Our family, we all have family that's lost. Have we shared Jesus with them? Have we let them know our Jesus story? You don't have to preach at them, please don't. They don't want to hear that. But you can tell them what he's done for you. And then God can do something with what he's done for you and do something in them. But like we're all praying and we're asking God to change stuff. Change it, God, change it. And God's like, I want to change it. I need you to step up to make the change. You see, like Nehemiah was like, okay, guys, here's the deal. We got a bunch of rocks. Let's build a wall. So everybody needed to start picking up rocks and putting them in a pile like oh there's a wall here it was always here we just had to engage so i'm telling you that there's victory here there is victory here but see we've got to engage god and then victory comes so i want you to know that we are the answer to our own prayer <laughs> god wants us to reach lost people. We are his front line. The only way they're going to meet Jesus before it's too late is through you and through me. You, you get that, right? I mean, like, when Jesus shows up, it's going to be too late. So they need to meet him through you and me. And so therefore, when we're praying, God's like, yep, now go live it. Show them. Share. Be. Action actually engaging the Word of God and doing what God has asked us to do. I'm going to go back in history for a moment. Joshua chapter 6. We're going, to, we're going to look at this section here where God's people were given the vision. Remember, I'm going to give you that land, all the stuff, the wild, wilderness wanderings all happened. Moses is dead. Joshua is leading. This is the very first step into the promised land. And here's Joshua over here, man. He's nervous. Of course, don't you think he was nervous? I mean, he's taking over leadership of a nation, and, and he's the one that's being called to lead them into battle. You better believe he was human. I mean, he had faith. He was a warrior. I know that, but I know in his flesh he was still like, whoa, man, we're about to do this. And he's over there with God. God meets him. Isn't that cool? I want you to hear this in Joshua chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. Isn't that cool how God struck the enemy with fear? We have a cowering enemy. I want you to know that. He knows he's a defeated foe. 
the thing that needs to happen is the church needs to wake up to the fact that we are the victors and he's a defeated foe. But we won't go there right now. Let's just see this. They're all scared. Doors are locked. They're hiding. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying out a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. All right, now... This is the way I like God to give me plans. That is so awesome, isn't it? Like, he's like, look, dude, I, I am, I'm giving you that place. They're already beaten. Now that, I want you to hear me, church, because you see Jericho still was standing. The walls were still up. The soldiers were still there. Everything was still the way it appeared in the real world. But God's saying, this is what's going to go down. I want you to know this is what's happening, and this is how it's going to happen. So now, God was about to perform an incredible miracle. But the only way God's miracle could happen is if the people engaged and took action to what God said. So here's the plan, God says. It's going down. Now you go engage that place by marching around. So now, here's Joshua. He's calling a court, he calls all the warriors together. Now, these people are warriors. These guys were ready for battle. They're ready to go duke it out, right? Hey, let's go take that place. And he's like, hold on a minute. Here's the plan. You're just going to walk around. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't go like up here. It's not making sense. Uh, don't even say anything. Just go walk around and then come back home. Okay. You're going to do that the next six days. And you priests. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute, when we serve the Lord, we don't have swords. He's like, you're going to be out there in the front. <laughs> now I want you to lead the way. And I want you to take the ark of God, you know, so here's the plan. And everybody's listening, so they did it. They did exactly what God asked through Joshua. Isn't that cool? You see that engaging of the vision? They engaged it. They're like, okay, whatever God says, we're in. Let's do it. So they took action. They did it. On that seventh day, they did seven times. And then the trumpets blowing, the horns, I should say, they all shout. And guess what? God did his part. The walls fell down. Listen, church, I want you to hear me now. What God said was, I'm going to give it to you. I will knock the walls down, but you're going to still have to go in there and fight. God could have struck the enemy. He did that at times in the Old Testament where they didn't even have to pull a sword out, right? But in this plan, God said, I'm going to take out the obstacle and you're going to go in and fight. It's still God's plan. It still required faith, but it always requires action. <laughs> God gave victory. So church, prayer should always be our first response to everything. Always. But church, please understand, we've got to put actions to our prayers. Things aren't going to change in your life just because you pray. Now, I know that some people are just cringed when I said that. 
but I want you to hear me. Things are not going to change in your life if all you do is pray, because if you don't take action with your prayers, nothing's going to change. You've got to act in obedience to it. God wants you to do something. He doesn't want you to just sit there on your little butt and say, God, do something, change something, make it happen, and I'm waiting until God does it. He's like, well, I'm trying to do something, but I need you to get up. You got to go and do something with it. I'm going to tell you a real life story. I was a young pastor, and um, I hadn't dealt with the recovery, uh, or not recovery, the addiction community a lot, only my own issues. But there was this individual that came into my life that was a, a very bad alcoholic. And so uh, the only time he would ever call me was when he was on the influence of alcohol. And usually when that happened, it was like midnight to four in the morning. And so he would call me and he would just drone on and on about blah, 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 you know, whatever, letting the alcohol speak through him. And I'm like dragging myself through a day and listening to this stuff and all that's going on. And, um, you know, I learned a lot. God showed me some things during this process, you know. And uh, I, 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 let me just say it this way. This one night, God definitely helped me. Because Bob said, you know, when I was driving to the, to the liquor store, I prayed, and I said, God, don't let me do this. And I listened, I heard that, and there was something inside of me. I was like, what? I mean, you were driving. What did you want God to do, put a tree in front of your car? I mean, seriously. I mean, you're driving to the store to buy beer, and you're saying, God, stop me. I said, brother, you got in the car. You got your wallet. You put your keys in the ignition. You physically drove to the store. You went to the place. You grabbed the liquor. You went to the counter. You paid for it. You took it home and drank it. And you didn't call me till that was all over. You made a decision to do that. I don't care what you prayed. You've got to engage your prayer. You could have stopped that at any moment. You chose to go there. Church, this is what I'm saying. A lot of us in the church... We keep doing the same old stupid things, praying for God to stop us, and he's like, I'm trying. Please listen. Today God's saying, hey, wake up. You can't keep doing that stuff on your own and ask me to change you when I'm offering everything you need. We read that scripture, right? I've given you everything you need to live a godly life. You remember that from 2 Peter? He's like, I've done everything for you. All you got to do is engage me instead of your flesh. And when you engage me, things can happen that God wants to do. But as long as you engage your flesh and do your thing, nothing good's going to come of it. Okay. So I learned something. I learned that I do not talk to, listen to, or anything, people under the influence of anything other than the Holy Spirit. And I tell every single one of them, like, I stop them as soon as they start talking. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Have you been drinking tonight? Have you been doing, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I got, oh, stop. Okay, so here, I'm going to give you a little text right now and say, when you wake up sober tomorrow, call me. I'll talk to you, but I will not talk to your alcohol, your drugs, or anything else, because I already know where that's going. It's nowhere. If you want change in your life and you want God to do something, you call me when you're sober. 99% of the time, I never get a call. Seriously, 
99% of the time, I don't get a call. So if you're in the recovery groups, I just want to encourage you. If you're a sponsor, I believe in all that stuff. Just so you know, I believe in sponsors. I believe in recovery. I believe in helping people. But you're not going to fix them when they're making the decisions to do their own thing. They have got to make the decision to change. Don't engage their intoxication. They're never going to change in that moment. They're not. It will require a miracle of God for anyone to change in the middle of their intoxication. So I know somebody's going to say, it happened to me. Great. That's awesome. You're one in a million. But I'm just letting you know, like, when they are sober, they're available for God to do something in. Engage them then. Let them live in their misery when they're in their stuff. Okay. That's just what I feel. What I've seen and what I believe. You do whatever you want with it. So here's the point. I told that gentleman, like, you had the ability to stop at any point in time, and you had a lot of hurdles you had to get over to do what you chose to do. There was a decision made way back here in your house before you ever picked up your wallet or your keys. Right? You made a decision. And that one decision led to the next decision, to the next decision, to the next decision. And you didn't even talk to God until you had already made up your mind, got in your car, and started on a journey. All right, so here, how about if we just start at square one (laughs) and stop the garbage here? See, here's what's going on today. We We had, I think, eight or nine people that we baptized in the 915 service. Yeah, it's awesome, praising God for that, yes. And uh, we have one I know that's here, and maybe there's two, I don't know, in this service that we're going to baptize at the end as well. So here's what I'm saying to you all so you understand where we're at with this, because um, I'm either way behind or those guys are early. I'm just saying, I see the kids coming, I'm like, oh, wow, all right, so I better hurry then. (laughs) You guys can sit down right there on that front seat, how about that? And over there on that front seat. Go ahead. It's awesome. We're glad you're in here. Isn't that awesome to see those kids? That's beautiful. Thank you, guys. So those that are being baptized today have said yes to Jesus. So I'm going to use this platform for a minute. So over here, we've repented of our sins. We've accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. We're saying, God, I'm all in. God says, okay, now be baptized in your faith. That's why we do baptism after salvation. This doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. And this is a witness to the salvation. We're baptized in our faith. He says we die down there like Jesus died and he was buried in the ground. We come out into new life. We're like, woo, God, I'm new. Then we step out over here. And as we step out over here, we're starting a journey. That's not the end. That's not the end. It's not the end until we either die or Jesus comes back. So we're starting a journey. So we started this journey. So why don't we just stay on that journey? We stay on that journey by listening, by obeying. Yes, we pray, but then we put action to our prayers, and we say, hey, God, let's do this. So I want everybody that's been baptized, you can testify to this. Those that are going to be baptized, I can tell you right now, you're going to get out of this water, and tomorrow someone's going to be like, hey, you. (laughs) Don't know why you did that yesterday, because you suck. You're not going nowhere. Your life isn't changed. You're no different. You know that word that the enemy wants to speak over you? You're a failure. You've already tried this. You'll never arrive. You can't. You're never going to. You can't. That's going to happen. Isn't it, church? 
He's a liar. All he's got is his big mouth. So the first thing we do when we hear the enemy speaking those words over us, we pray. And what do we do? We say, hey, God, smash him down. Take him out, just like Nehemiah did. Uh, Lord, I speak truth over that lie, and I will not own that. I am a redeemed man or woman of God, and I'm stepping up, and I'm new. We don't listen to that loud mouth. So the, la the other aspect of that is I want you to know that to me, and I try and encourage everybody that does this, that first word of doubt is an affirmation that God's doing something. Absolutely. See, if God wasn't doing something, the devil would never even say a word. He'd let you live in your, dis your like confused state. But when God's doing something in your life, the enemy's like, oh, no, 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 that's not happening. So when he speaks doubt, believe it, God did something. Take that as an affirmation. Just be like excited about it. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, right? Just step into it, man, and just like own what God has done for you. The voices of doubt are going to come. The enemy will always try and come against what God's doing. Negative words. <laughs> and usually it hits you when you're tired, when you're worn out. I know he's going to speak to you when you're slacking in your daily devotionals, your prayer life, and your spiritual prayers and devotions and reading. He's definitely going to speak then. And you're vulnerable. Can't do that. So back to Nehemiah 4 real quick. Remember the wall's halfway up? People are working with enthusiasm. The enemy's threatening it. Just like, like, nah, you can't do this. Let's read the next section of verse right there. It's verse number 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain the workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved. We'll never be able to build the wall by ourselves. You see what happens? When we run on emotions, it's like, remember, we just now read halfway up. They were all enthusiastic. The enemy's running his mouth over here, and all of a sudden, we're not seeing the wall anymore. We're seeing the rubble. And when we see the rubble instead of the wall, it's easy to complain. When our hands are a little bit sore and we're tired, it's easy to complain. When things don't go exactly like we think they should, it's easy to complain. So we're vulnerable when we're tired. We're vulnerable when we're listening to the enemy's words rather than catching the vision God has placed in our heart. When things are tough, the easiest thing to do is complain. That's simple. But true warriors step up to the challenge. True warriors push past the tired and they go past the complainers and they own the vision. Things are going to get tough. Did you know that? Do you remember the words of Jesus? Jesus said, you're going to have trials and tribulations. He followed that up by saying, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Yeah, he's like, man, you're going to go through stuff, but hey, I'm the victor. So you see, we go through these things, but I face it with Jesus, and I'm like, man, I'm not discouraged. Yeah, there's a lot of problems out there. There's rubble everywhere I look. There's going to be voices of discouragement. Complaining is going to arise. I mean, come on, man. You can go to church and people complain. 
It's too hot. It's too cold. Music's too loud. They don't sing the songs I like. There's fog on the platform. Why do they have fog on the platform? Why are there lights in the church? Why does that guy talk so long? Why does he get so loud? Why doesn't he speak up? Why does he have long hair? He should get a haircut. Why does he dress like that? Why do we do the, you know what I'm saying? Like the whole house can be filled with complainers. It's easy. But see, you have to make a decision. If you're going to be a warrior or a whiner. (laughs) I'm glad we should bring these guys up a little more often, help you out. (laughs) So you got to make that choice. See, church, we're going to engage. We're not going to listen to the whiners. And if you're a whiner, shut up. Nobody wants to listen to you. Seriously, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and others. All right, anyway, have you repented of your sins, turned to him with all of your heart, and have you allowed God to do that work in you to change you from the old you to the new you? Have you done that? If you haven't, make today the day that happens. Now I'm going to ask you the second action step is this. Are you putting action to your prayers? I mean, I, I want you to have a solid prayer life. Please don't misunderstand me. We need prayer. And we need a solid prayer life. But if all you're doing is praying, I think you're missing something. Because you've got to put some action to your prayers. Because in prayer, you're not just talking, you're listening. And when God's speaking, he's asking you to do something. Is that not right? Come on, man. I mean, it's biblical. Are things tough for you, church? Are words of doubt and discouragement and complaining all around you? Maybe they're starting to come out of you. How about if we stop that? Because I just asked you, and you have to make that decision of either warrior or whiner. We've got to make that decision. Man, I'm just going to tell you, I've been around the church a long time, and we got a lot of whiners. I don't mean CFF as a whole. I'm talking about the whole church, man. I mean, it seems like, oh, it drives me nuts. Just whining about everything. Man, just like, why don't you just step up and be a warrior for the kingdom, man? Go take out a giant or two. Let's do something, man. There's, there's a mess out there that needs to get rebuilt. And God wants to rebuild it, but he wants to do it through us. So we've got to engage this thing. We just stand for just a moment. The altar's open. The only reason I'm asking you to stand is so that you can make your way to the altar. If you're being baptized today, could you step over there to those seats? Uh, Tracy, you know your spot right there. Go right there. If there's somebody else that I talked to or didn't talk to, but you already had signed up, please, you're, you're welcome as well. The altar's open, please. We're not going to rush through an altar call to get to a baptism because, you know, the only way we can get to a baptism is through, you know, the work of God that happens when we bow before him. <laughs> Wherever that is. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so amazing. Thank you, God, for all that you do. Lord, in this moment as we pray to you, we realize that this is a moment of surrender. This is obedience to what you're saying. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters that are engaging you right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for just engaging us and help us to just step in to everything that you are speaking right now with all of our hearts. Lord, that we'd be fully obedient warriors for the kingdom. 
I pray that this would happen right now in Jesus' name for every single one of us, Lord. We love you and we thank you. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen. So those of you that are at the 